Today, we're going to continue our series called No Other Name. And we're talking about the name of Jesus, of course, the name that is above every name. And at whose name? Every knee will bow and, and every single tongue will confess. And the key verse that we're looking at in this passage is a verse that we stumbled upon months ago in our series through the book of Acts, in Acts chapter 4 and, and verse 20. And, and this is what Luke tells us in that passage. He says that there is salvation in no one else, that God Almighty, God in heaven, God who sits on the throne of all thrones, has declared that there is no other name under heaven whereby we may be saved. We can't be saved by the name of anyone else. It's the name of Jesus Christ exclusively. And all throughout Scripture, uh, from the very beginning all the way, quite honestly, to the very end, names are very, very, very important, especially uh, the meaning of those names. And, and when you look at what a name means in Scripture, it sheds a whole new light as to what it is God's trying to communicate to us as His children. Uh, and it, names tell story, and names tell character, and names uh, play out uh, all throughout the Bible. They're a big deal in Scripture. Take the very first name ever given in the Bible, the name Adam, right? Adam means uh, from the earth. That's what the name means. It means from the earth. And so uh, God gave Adam the name because he took the dust of the ground and he breathed into his nostrils life and he became a living soul. And, and then you go through Genesis and there, there are some chapters in the Bible, which you know we, we're tempted to skip over all the time, that just filled with names, right? It's just one name after another, one name after another. And we can't pronounce most of them and we don't know what they mean. And it says this guy begat this guy, begat this guy, begat this guy. And if you don't know what begat means, it means they begat it on, right? And had a baby. That's that's what that means. And, and, and that's, that's the way the story plays out. And one of those names in the begats is the name Methuselah. Anybody heard the name Methuselah before? Let me just see if you ever heard that name before. Anybody know what that name means? Here's what the name means. Listen, I want you to write this down because it's an incredible picture of the grace of God. Methuselah means his death shall bring it. His death shall bring it. That is crazy creepy. Isn't it? The, the, the kid's name, meet his death shall bring it. Right? That, that's what his name means. But do you know what happened at the same moment that Methuselah died? The flood. The flood. His death shall bring it. And then the flood came, which sheds a whole lot of light on why he's the oldest person to ever live. It was the grace of God. That let him live, I think, 969 years because he knew that his death shall bring it. And the grace of God is ever long. And, and that's why we call it amazing grace. And you think of the guys in the Bible whose names were changed, right? There were several. Abram, which means the great father, was changed to Abraham, which means the father of many. And that's what God decided to do through Abram when he called him Abraham. Uh, re remember, Simon, uh, his name was changed to Peter. Peter means the rock, which Jesus in that conversation with Peter said, upon this rock. Now, don't misinterpret that. It's not Peter, as some would say. It's upon the rock of Peter's confession of you are the Christ. You're the son of the living God. Upon that rock of that confession, I will build my church. And Jesus was building his church. He is building his church, and he will forever be building his church. There, there's one guy in the Old Testament who happened to be the grandson of Abraham. His name was was Jacob. You know what the name Jacob means? It means liar. 
What a horrible name, an awful name to have. That Hello, I'd like to meet you. My name is Liar, right? I'm not telling the truth. My name is Jacob. And yet God changed his name to Israel, which means that God will provide or God will save, right? And there's a story in the Bible about a man's name, and it's a great, great, great story. It's the story of Hannah and Samuel. If you don't know the story, let me just summarize it for you real quick. Hannah was married, and she couldn't have any children. Her heart was broken because she couldn't have any children. And so she would continually go to the tabernacle and pray. And one day she was there praying silently. Eli was the priest, and Eli thought, she's drunk because she's not making any noise while she's praying. And so he went over to her and said, hey, you can't be drunk in the tabernacle. You need to get out of here. To which Hannah turned and looked at him and said to the priest, Eli, I'm not drunk. I'm sad. And I'm praying to God. And the priest probably felt like a jerk, right, for calling her drunk. And and so he said, hey, go home and God's going to answer your prayer. And sure enough, a a year later, right, she comes back. she got a baby boy in her hands. and, And in the tabernacle, She's bringing this baby boy, and the little boy is named Samuel. Do you know what Samuel means? Samuel means God hears, which is an incredible name for that baby, God hears. And so many of you are here today on one of our campuses, and you needed to hear that today. And maybe that's what you're here for today is to hear the truth, God hears. God hears you. And maybe you're praying that very same prayer that Hannah prayed. God, give me a baby. Would you please let us have a baby? We want a baby. And and, and maybe you're praying that. And today I would declare to you, God hears you. And he can give you hope. And for others, uh, maybe it's not Hannah's prayer that you're praying. Maybe it's a, a different prayer altogether. You're crying out to God over a broken marriage. Or you're crying out to God over a broken relationship or, or, or you're sad about a sick friend or a sick family member or you're in anguish over some financial hardship or you feel like you're in a hopeless situation and you just need to hear today, God hears. And that's the central message today. God hears you and there is hope for you. You want to know why? Because there is no other name. Higher than the name of Jesus Christ. Psalm 20, uh, we looked at that last week. It says some trust in horses and some trust in chariots, but some, uh, we, trust in the name of, of the Lord our God. Not just in God, but in the name of the Lord our God. Some translations say some trust in horses and some trust in chariots or some trust in human intervention and some trust in human power, but not us. We trust in the name of the Lord our God. That is the name, by the way, which every knee will bow to and which every tongue will confess, according to Philippians chapter 2 and verse 10, that at the name of Jesus, Jesus, every knee will bow. Now, if you got your Bible, I want you to flip over to the very last book of the Bible. This is the easiest one to find in all of Scripture, the book of Revelation. And so turn all the way to the right, all the way to the book of Revelation. And and for those of you who are getting your hopes up, I'm not talking about the Pope. I'm not talking about a blood moon, okay? We're going to look at this story. And as we look at this story, we're going to dig into this book today. And and, uh, I'm not going to explain the end times point by point, right? We talked about that last night at a wedding. We were sitting at a table and somebody said, hey, you ever going to preach on end times? And I said, the sermon would be, no man knows the day or the hour. Be ready. Amen, right? And and so that's the end times. That's what I understand about end times, by the way. But when you turn over to the book of Revelation, we're going to dig down into this story. The book of Revelation is a book about Jesus Christ, and it is a book about the end of all things and the end of this earth. And, And when we look at this passage of Scripture, I want you to understand this, that when you are hopeless, it feels like the end. Can I get an amen from anybody on that one? 
When you're hopeless, it feels like the end. But when you are filled with the hope of Jesus Christ, you know that Jesus will see you through till the end. And that Jesus Christ is the name above every name. And his name is more powerful than any name. And it is very, very evident in this book of the Bible, Revelation. In fact, look at chapter 1 and verse 8. And it says, I am the Alpha and the Omega. I am the beginning and the end, says the Lord God. I am the one who is, who always was, and who is still to come. I am the Almighty One, Alpha and Omega. Those are the first and last letters of the Greek alphabet. And the point that God is making there is that I am the beginning and I am the end. He was at the beginning of all things. He was in the middle of the beginning of all things. And he will be there at the end of all things. Because he was powerful, he is powerful. And he will always be powerful. And John, the apostle, is having this vision, which is the book of Revelation in written form. He's having this vision, and God allowed him in this vision to go into heaven, and not just heaven, heaven upon heaven upon heaven. And he is seeing Jesus for who he is. And it is so powerful, and it is so overwhelming, and it is astounding to who we are and what God has for us. Uh, Jump down to verse 17 in Revelation chapter 1. And listen what he says. When I saw him, I fell at his feet as if I were dead. But he laid his right hand on me and he said, don't be afraid. I'm the first and the last. I am the living one. I died. Now don't just jump over that. I died I was dead in the grave. My heart was not beating. There was no brain activity, no breath in my lungs. I died, but look, I am alive forever and ever, and I hold the keys to death and the grave. Listen, when Jesus died, it was not a forever death. It was only temporary. And he, his death gives us the power to cover all of our sins and the power to be forgiven. But then three days later, he rose again and he conquered death. And at our beginning, your beginning and my beginning, at our beginning, which is our birth, at that place where we were born, at our very, very beginning, he was there. And he was forming us in the womb, according to Psalm 139. He was putting us together. And at our death, he will be there too. Why? Because he holds the power of even death. And that his name is in Revelation from first to last, from beginning to end, the Alpha and the Omega. And the book of Revelation, just a little context, is written to seven churches in Asia Minor, modern-day Turkey. And he's writing to these seven churches, and it was written to encourage them to overcome evil and to uh, overcome the evil that is around them. And you take a look at some of the things that he tells them in that book. Jot these addresses down if you're interested in looking at this later. In Revelation chapter 2 and verse 3, he says, You will endure for my name's sake, for my name's sake. In same chapter, chapter 2, verse 17, he says, I'm going to give you a new name. In Revelation chapter 3 and verse 5, he says, I will never erase your name from the book of life, but I will tell the Father your name. And and those people who overcome and those people who endure and, and those people who walk in hope, listen, they will be victorious and they will overcome and they will lift up the name of Jesus and they will get a new name for themselves. This whole book is about overcoming and enduring all the way to the 
end. And whether that means enduring and overcoming the Antichrist himself, or overcoming and enduring any other scheme that the devil has, or it just simply means overcoming the day-to-day challenges that we all face. He calls us overcomers. And you skip ahead to the end of the book, the final battle, and there are all these battles and wars and plagues that play out in the book of Revelation. And when you look at it, there's this one battle to end all battles. And as you watch this one battle playing out that's going to end every battle, I want to ask you the question, who do you think is in control? Jesus. Look at chapter 19, verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened, and a white horse was standing there. Its rider was named Faithful and True, for he judges fairly and wages a righteous war. Listen, the rider of that white horse, that's Jesus. And his name is Faithful, and his name is True. He is faithful to us, and he will see us through till the very end. Revelation 21, verse 4 says, He wipes away every tear from our eyes. Revelation 21, the next verse, verse 5, says he makes everything new. How does he do that? And how does he remain faithful to us when we are not faithful uh, to him? Because he is the Alpha and the Omega. He repeats it, by the way, in the very next verse, chapter 21, verse 6. He says he's the beginning and the end. What he starts, he will see it through till the end. There's a chapter of Scripture in Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 12. And in verse 2, it repeats the very same thing because it calls him the author and the finisher of our faith. The author means he penned the story from beginning to end. He's the author and the finisher. Listen, he has started the story and your story, and now you are living it out. But he gets the final word, and he will finish the story. And so often uh, we lose hope because we feel like somehow we've gotten off track in this story. And we're out of you know, his plan in this story. Listen, sometimes we get off track because something happens to us right? It's not anything we've done. It's something that was done to us. You you may get laid off at a job. You may be diagnosed with cancer. Your mother may pass away. These are all things that happen to us. And when those things happen to us, we seem to take a hit. But there are other times, let's just be honest, where we're the ones who interrupt the story, right? We take out the red pen and we begin changing what Jesus wrote in our stories. And, And sometimes it's because of a mistake we make, not really a sin, just a mistake, right? Maybe you take bad financial advice for someone and you have to file bankruptcy and that's our mistake right that getting out of the story of Jesus but there are times that that we get off track in the story because we sin right just plain and simple there there are times where we sin and and out of selfish ambition or selfish desire uh, we step into our own story and we edit the story selfishly And in those moments, those people are letting sin creep in and take over, and they're handing that red pen over to the enemy, and they're saying, hey, why don't you write the story? And we let the enemy write our story, and he's writing parts of the story in that are not bringing glory to God. And when those things happen, we feel like we lose hope, and it feels like the end of the road. And it feels like we've gone into the end of the story, and there is now a period, and it is game over. 
But the truth is, Jesus is much more powerful than that. And he is the author, he is the starter, and he is the finisher, and he sees it through to the end. And he can overcome any mistake you make in your life. He can overcome any sin that you make in your life. Listen, we messed up, Jesus came in and he cleaned us up. We stopped short and and, and don't go all the way. Jesus is concerned with the long story and the long end of the story. And where you want to put a period, Jesus puts a comma. And he continues the story in your life. And then he finishes the story. And when he finishes the story, we can be hopeful of that, right? Because that's the truth of Scripture. Now, there's a story that happened and played out right in our own uh, faith family three and a half years ago. And some of you were here and some of you, most of you weren't, quite honestly. Most of you at all of our campuses, you weren't around three and a half years ago because we've reached thousands of people in the last three and a half years. But, but it, there were some of us that were around. And for those of you who weren't around, the story as I play it out today for you is just going to be a great glorious story of redemption because you were not affected personally by it. And, and the others of us who were affected personally by the story, we're tempted to run in one of two paths. One path was to get, you know, a little affected offended for this person I'm going to name, and and we got offended for them, and we didn't know all the details, and we didn't know all the stories, and I just want to pastor you for a second and tell you the truth and love you, and say to you, when a public person falls, they need to be disciplined publicly, but that does not mean you need all the details, And I just want to love you and and say to you, this crazed culture that you and I are walking in today, this reality TV culture, causes us to want to know those details and to know those secrets. And your flesh is crying out for those things. It's not good for your spirit. Hear me when I tell you that and love you. And there are times that I can share things with you as a congregation. There are times I can't. And there are many, many times, quite honestly, I take hits for not sharing things with you because it's not good for you. And it's not good for your spirit. And there's another temptation. And there's other temptations for us to be angry and and to hang on to uh, our, our own flesh that wants to say, that person sinned, that person let me down, that person owes me for the rest of their lives. And either way, whatever the temptation may be, my encouragement to you today is to slide back in and let's just put the focus on Jesus and lift Jesus up. And the name I'm referring to is Jason Lee. Jason Lee was on our staff. He was a big part of our staff. And the long and short of the story is that he did not remain faithful to his family. And he did not remain faithful to his wife. And it got ugly. And it became public. And I had to let him go. And many of you remember that story playing out. And many of you were here. Some of you were here for that story. And for most of you, the story ended at that point. Right? And it felt hopeless for you. That, that, that's the end of the story and there was a period and, and game over, story over. Jason is gone, shut the book, we're done with that. But I want you to know today that where man tried to write a period, God decided to call that a comma. And what your church did is sent Jason to counseling in Houston, Texas and paid for it. And what your church did is sent Jason for months and months into rehab and counseling in Atlanta, uh, Georgia and paid for it. And what your church did is paid off their bills and took care of their family and took care 
care of Kelly while Jason was gone in counseling and got Kelly a counselor. And your church stepped in and looked like Jesus in that whole story. And, and, and after that, listen, Jason has done some great things and has gone on he, in, in ministry today, in fact. And in fact, Jason's here today. And I want you in a gracious way, would you just applaud and thank Jason and Kelly for coming uh, today. So Jason, the, the, most of the church, I've had the opportunity to have conversations with you on the phone and in person multiple times. He's come and met with the pastor's council multiple times. And so they don't have the privilege of, of uh, knowing what, what God's doing in your life and what God's doing in your heart. Today we want to give them that privilege. And so just in way of introduction, just if you would, just I'm going to let you address the church first and then I'll. I haven't had the chance to be eyeball to eyeball with you. I just wanted to say I'm sorry. I'm sorry I didn't have the courage to confess the secret sin that was in my life. And that was cowardly. And for those that were here that trusted me, uh, I'm sorry for failing you. And I ask for your forgiveness. And I also want to say thank you Thank you, Alex, for uh, loving us through this. You know, Alex not only is my pastor, is my friend. And I want to say thank you to the pastor's council that we submitted to and for loving us, to discipline us, and to help us and encourage us and do that hard work. And I want to say thank you to our community group that uh, loved us and cared through us um, uh, through all of this. And uh, it's my deepest desire uh, to make you proud. Make you proud. Uh, so much of us is here. So much of who we are and how we see the world and see the church. We got to be a part of six great years here at the church at Battle Creek. And, um, and we desire to, uh, you know, to make that right and uh, for you guys to be proud of us. Mm. There are many times in this journey that I've said to Kelly, uh, I'm really proud of you. And in fact, a little bit in awe. Because biblically, she certainly had the right to walk away. And she chose not to. And uh, Kelly has always um, been quick to say, no, 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 I don't take that credit. I don't take that glory. I give that to Jesus. And there's several things that along the way, I haven't ever said this to her privately, and so now I'm saying it to her publicly, which is probably a mistake. But I, I, I would, I'm going to do it anyways. But I, I, I would say to her, there are several things that Kelly has said in the last three and a half years that need to be written down and, and need to be in a book and, and need to be used by the Lord to encourage uh, other people. And, and uh, Kelly has edited uh, things for me in the past because she's like an AP grammar teacher. So she, she can edit her own book, which would be good. And, and, uh, but Kelly, just you, you just share from your heart. Thank y'all. Um, thank you for loving us through the yucky stuff and the good stuff. Um, y'all have been the hands and feet of Jesus. What I refer to as D-Day in our marriage, in my life, is the day that I found out um, 
that Jason had been unfaithful and um, the perception of my world had changed. My world had not actually changed, but my perception had drastically changed and was left with the decision of what was I going to do? Am I going to leave? I have a biblical reason um, to leave and the kids and I, I could um, continue to teach and support us um, or am I going to stay? And so I knew whatever decision I made was going to be difficult. And so I just began crying out, God, would you tell me what you want me to do and not what other people want me to do, not what Jason wants to do. Just I need to know what you want um, for me to do. And he was faithful to do that. He told me very clearly that, Kelly, you'll be no fool to stay and be a part of the redemptive story that I'm going to do in Jason's life. And so on the dark days, on the lonely days, on the hardest days of my life, I clung to that call. And I say, God, you're faithful. Other people may not be faithful, but you're faithful. And you've promised me that you're going to redeem this. And so you are the God of all hope. And so when I see no hope right now, I'm clinging to the fact that you alone are faithful. And so would you help me? And he did. Um, it's been a journey. It was not an overnight fix. It was We couldn't put a Band-Aid on that. I felt like we both were in the intensive care unit, and we just had to have people pouring into us and um, giving us life back, and that was the church staff, our community group, um, amazing um, girlfriends that walked through the trenches with us, and um, I had to know from Jason, I saw that he truly was repentant and was willing to do whatever it took to work on our marriage, and so knowing that he was repentant, knowing that my God is faithful, we would be able to get through that, and so Jason did whatever was asked of him, and um, got some deep um, counseling that was able to uh, help me know that we're not going to go through this. All, all this pain will not be for naught. And um, God, you're a redeeming God. And so I'm just going to give you the story. I wish I could rip the story out of a book. I don't want part. I don't want this chapter. Um, but uh, you got to plan play the, um, the the cards you're dealt. And so He's faithful. Amazing. Tell us, we don't, we don't have time to dive into a, a lot of the details that would probably be therapeutic for, for many of us. And I told Jason and Kelly on the, on the front end this morning backstage, is we need to pray against my temptation to flesh a lot of this out. And, uh, and, and some of you are friends with Jason and some of you are mad at Jason and I've gotten letters and calls, etc. And I, I would just say to you, none of you were closer to Jason than I was. And uh, he was my friend. A and uh, you just said was, by the yeah, way. Yeah, was. Just <laughs> and, uh, and will be my friend. <laughs> and and uh, it, this was hard. I, 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 I suffered greatly through that and felt tremendous pain and, and tremendous anger and tremendous hurt and and frustration, but as time, Jason, this is a phrase Jason used to use, somebody reminded me this morning that Jason used to use this phrase all the time, time will tell. And, uh, and it will tell, and it is telling about the glory of God and the grace of God in their lives. And so, Jason, just jump ahead a little bit. Talk about what God's doing in your heart and what he's been doing in your life since you left. Yeah, it's, uh, it's hard to, to explain everything and every uh, portion of the journey, but kind of just as simply as I can, you know, there's a, there's a portion of repentance that is necessary in a full confession. Uh, that's when healing can begin. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I was so prideful. You know, 
I, I didn't want to give a full confession. And uh, it took me two weeks until uh, I finally uh, told Kelly everything about everything. And that's really when the, the healing can start. So I just want to encourage you on that. You know, uh, let the worst be known about you. You know, because then after that, what can someone say about you? And there's real freedom. But so full confession was a part of that. And, um, and then the restoration process of submitting to church council and, and going away. And uh, then when we came back, you know, we all agreed that it was best for the next stage of my restoration to be down in Dallas and put a team around me. And um, part of that restoration process was, you know, ministry had become an idol in my life. I'd put it above my family. I loved this place and everything that happened here. And, uh, you know, I went to work for a honey company. And, uh, you know, when you're reconnecting with God and, and your wife and, and everything, it's a process. And I remember working at a honey company and uh, having a hairnet on and uh, giving out samples of honey. And a family came up that I used to minister to and knew. And I remember feeling the shame and the guilt and the enemy. Just I wanted to just shrink away. And I remember a guy just speaking so clearly to me saying, Jason, no. You serve them honey like you're serving it to me. You do it for the glory of God. And I needed a lot of those days of, uh, of, doing, of doing those sorts of things. And, um, and then, you know, with Kelly, you have to, uh, it's so hard, you have to let her go. And say, Lord, I can't love her and I can't lead her right now. And I'm going to trust you. And I didn't think I could be loved like that. It's the truth. I mean, the sin that was in my life, I didn't want anyone to know. And there was a stage during this process where I was staring at the ceiling. We were in the same room, and we're still in the trauma room. And, and, uh, and it, wasn't a, it wasn't an act of condoning. It wasn't an act of saying it's all good. But Kelly reached over her hand, and she touched my hand just for two or three seconds. And it gave me hope. You know, there's three words that Kelly tells me that makes me still feel so proud and feel like I can do anything. And uh, she does say, I love you, but it's not I love you. It's, she says, come what may. And part of this journey, when we can't, we have to walk hand, hand in hand, free. And she looked at me and said, Jason, come what may. And I, and I just didn't think I could be loved like that, to be honest with you. Um, so part of this process of, of going around the restoration team, of just there's so many steps and stages, but... I'm blown away by God's grace. And if I could just for one minute, Pastor, I just want to talk to myself four years ago that might be sitting out there. And I just want you to know it's possible. It is possible. You know, in my mind, I thought, God, I'll never be the lead pastor you want me to be. I'll never be the pastor you want me to be. Uh, and I'm okay with that. Just punish me. I, I want to protect the church, protect my family, protect Kelly. And, I, and I'll just keep this to my grave. That's, that's where I was at. And I thought there was no way out. And I can't believe the work that God's done. Mm. I'm totally blown away by it. I just want to tell you, don't listen to the lies of the enemy. He's going to tell you your life is over. And trust me, I thought mine was. But God, he did a work only he can do. And so I just want to encourage you, bring it to light. Mm. Let the church deal with it. Let God deal with it. Full confession. Intimacy is being fully known without the fear of rejection. And God's a good father. So good. It's his kindness that's leading us through repentance. Mm. And he knows you've got a comeback story. And he knows the plans he has for you. And the enemy keeps us gripped in fear. Man, if someone knew that about me, they wouldn't love me. Mm. And I want to say give God a chance. Matthew 10, 28 says this. 
Jesus said, he was talking to his disciples. He says, fear not. They may be able to kill your body, but they can't kill the soul. And I felt like that. Like, Lord, my life may be over, but if I'm good with you, I'm okay. Hmm. And uh, so I just want to encourage you, wherever you're at, uh, to have the freedom to be able to, uh, to bring things to light so God can deal with and work with it. And uh, there is hope, and uh, he, can, he can work through it. I want us to pray over them together and give God glory for what he's doing and has done in their lives and the uh, evident, amazing grace uh, that is available. Did somebody go get? Yeah. 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 Jaden and Jewel, I, I want to pray over them too. And uh, they were little bitty things when they were here, and uh, Jaden is growing up. That's the first time I've seen Jaden in a little while. I'm so sad to say you look like your daddy. <laughs> and and uh, I'm so grateful to say, Jewel, you look just like your mama. Uh, great kids. Jaden has great memories in our children's area and great friends in our church. And so I, I want church, if you would, just join me as we pray over this sweet family. Father, today... Uh, we thank you that in difficult days you did not let go. In dark nights you were present. And Father, we thank you that all through the Bible you're all about restoration and, and you are faithful and you are true. And I just thank you that not only has their uh, marriage uh, walked through, but Father, it is thriving and you are blessing it greatly. And Father, for the days ahead, uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about what's next for them as they go plant a church in Houston, Texas, in their home, in Jason's hometown. Father, we pray for that church. We pray it would be a grace place. And we pray, Father, that it would be a place where the gospel would go forth and Jesus would be lifted up. And men and women and boys and girls would have multiple opportunities to hear and respond to the good news. And Father, we pray over this sweet family that you would just launch them into the next phase and chapter of their life. I thank you for these sweet babies and, and uh, that are not babies anymore. And I pray, Father, your protection and, and grace on them. Uh, Father, as I, I track on, on Facebook, uh, multiple times I, I've read where Jaden has said he wants to be a preacher and, and that he wants to be a proclaimer of the gospel. I just pray, Father, just uh, that's amazing grace. And, and that's the glory of God. And, Father, we just pray that you would bless, favor, strengthen, and continue to restore this family and these children of yours. And we thank you that you have done that. That's always your testimony, God. And we give you glory and honor for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let me say to you this, that to keep hope and to endure, it takes a lot out of us. Okay, that's just the honest to God truth. There are times that we feel completely emptied, but the Bible gives us incredible inspiration. It gives us great motivation. I mentioned a few minutes ago Hebrews chapter 12. Uh, in fact, turn there if you would. In, in that chapter, and then I'll be done, the writer encourages us to keep going, right? He says, hey, when it feels like the end, it's not the end. Keep going. When it feels like it's all over, it's not all over. Keep going. When it feels like darkness is creeping in and the night is forever, continue. 
And in chapter 12 and verse 1, listen what the writer there says. He says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Now that whole verse is leading back to chapter 11, which if you studied the book of Hebrews, that's the hall of faith, right? That's the hall of fame of of faithful people and God's hall of fame. The whole chapter, chapter 11, talks about these people. And one, a couple of things all of those heroes had in common. Number one, they all messed up. Okay, every single one of them messed up. Some of them made great mistakes, but most of them had glaring sin in their life. And the second thing that's true about all of them, they kept going. And they kept walking with God, and they kept pursuing God, and they kept letting God do what he wanted to do in their lives. And so therefore, since we have this great cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us throw off, is what he says, throw off everything that hinders us, all these dumb mistakes we've made, all these accusations that come from the enemy. Let's throw those off. Let's also throw off the sin that so easily entangles us, our moral failures, our hang-ups, our strongholds that we give to the enemy in our lives. Let's give that to God and throw those things off and let him come in and break those things apart. And then let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Who marked that race out? Jesus. The name above every name. He marks that race out for you. He marks it out for me. He marks it out for all of the children of God because he is the beginning and the end. He's the alpha and the omega. And we not just run with perseverance. We fix our eyes on Jesus Christ. Fixing your eyes on him, not looking at anyone or anything else, but looking so intently at Jesus Christ that he is indeed the pioneer, the author, the founder of our faith. He is the perfecter. He is the finisher. He is the sustainer of our faith for the joy set before him endured the cross, scorning its shame. And then he sat down at the right hand of God, the throne of God. Why? Why did he do that? Because he's the beginning and the end. He's the Alpha and Omega. He knows the beginning from the end, and he won salvation for you and for me at that cross. And so Paul uh, goes on to say, or whoever the writer of Hebrews is, goes on to say, consider him who endured such opposition from sinners. Jesus endured such opposition from sinners that you will not grow weary. You will not lose heart. Don't be hopeless, child of God. There is hope in Jesus, and if Jesus lives in you, you've got great hope. Yes, you may have messed up. Yes, you may have gotten off track. Yes, you took the pen away from God, and you began to try to edit your own story. You got entangled in some sin, and you let it overcome you. But, but to overcomers, Jesus gave victory. you got to turn the script over from being overcome to being the overcomer that Jesus says you are. And that means giving him the script back. And trusting him with it, letting him write it, and the answer to your hopeless situation, whether it's a sin or a mistake, either way, whether you caused it or it was caused on you, either way, doesn't matter. The answer to every hopeless situation is found in the name of Jesus Christ. And the answer is to endure, to persevere, to overcome with the overcomer who lives within you. The book of Revelation is all about overcoming. It's about victory. It's about perseverance. It's about winning. And it was written, listen, it was written to a group of people who were getting ready to be persecuted and martyred by the Roman government. 
These people would face death in the arena. They would be torn apart by lions. They would be lit on fire. They would be nailed to crosses and left to die. And what does Jesus say to a people like that? He says, overcome. Overcome. And here's how you do it. And we've looked at this verse dozens of times. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11. And they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. By the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. And that's what we have to cling to. The blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Our story and what Jesus is doing in us. And that's what we cling to. And first we get it right with God by coming to Jesus and getting under the blood and being saved by the blood of Jesus. And then we tell our story. That's our testimony. And when we tell our story, there is healing that happens in our heart. When we tell our story, there's hope that is put in other people's lives. This is who I was. This is what Jesus did. And here's what I am today. This is what I was, and here's what I did, and here's what Jesus is doing through it. Here's how I tried to take the story and rewrite it, and here's how Jesus weaved it in to a great and glorious tapestry and a story that reflects the glory of God. And some of you are here today, and that's your prescription. You need to start telling your story. Jesus has done some miraculous things in some of your lives, amazing things in your lives, wonderful things, and we need to hear it. The body of Christ needs to hear what Jesus is doing in you, what he is doing through you, and you need to start telling your story. You need to tell people what Jesus is doing for you, and when you do that, when you tell your testimony, you overcome the enemy. How? What's the enemy's goal? Steal, kill, and destroy. And his M.O. is to isolate you, to get you away from the herd, and then to shame you and to guilt you. And, and some of you here on, on some of our campuses today, you, you feel hopeless. And you feel like you've hit a dead end. And you feel like your book has been slammed closed. That we made this mistake, we made this huge mistake, and, and, and the story is over. And I'm just saying to you today, God's not done with your story. He is not done. There is so much hope for you. And God wants to keep writing your story. And it's a story of hope. That's the theme. He wants to bring it back into a place and back into a story of hope. And when we share our testimony, we fill other people with hope who feel hopeless. And they hear what Jesus did for us. And they say, maybe Jesus wants to do that for me. And maybe Jesus can do that for me. And maybe Jesus is strong enough for me. And that's why the writer of Hebrews spilled that ink to write that hall of faith so that you and I would would read it and look at it and go, look, God did this for these people. He can do it for me too. And he can do it for you too. And many of you are here today, you were filled with courage and you were filled with hope because of Jason's testimony and of what Jason shared. And I had several couples come in the guest reception in between the services and say, he, it, it, this was for me. It was for me only. And, you know, right behind him was another person who said, this was for me only. And then another person was about, this was for me only. And it wasn't for any of them only, but it was for them only because he's the author who can write every story at the same time. And the finisher of our faith. And so you got to tell your testimony. you got to let others know uh, about your past to take that permission and for the enemy to hang out there in your life away from him. How has God changed you? How has he erased your past? How has he given you a bright future? And some of you, I just want to love you and pastor you for a second and say to you, some of you, you don't have a past. You have a present. And it is not about what you have done back there. It is about what you are doing today and intend on doing today. And I just want to say to you today in love, you've got to give that pen back to God. 
and say to him, I've messed up. Would you continue to write my story? Would you write in healing? And would you write in hope? Listen to me, you've spent enough time trying to write that story yourself. It's not going to work. You've spent enough time trying to let that sin be hidden and to hide it yourself. You're not that good. You spent enough time trying to nurture that wound and nurture that hurt. You need to give those things back to God and trust Him and let Him have it and write what He will write. And you turn to Him and you repent and you say, Jesus, will you fix me? And where the enemy put a period, God, would you turn that into a comma? And God, what some of you have done in, and what you have done in some of these people's lives is no sh- nothing short of miraculous. And he's more than capable of doing that in every one of our lives, in all of his children's lives. And some of you are here today, and you don't even have a testimony yet. You need to get one. You've never taken your life and put it under the blood of Jesus and under the life of Jesus and said, I'm going to follow Jesus and give him my life. But you can do that today. And we've been praying for hundreds of you today to trust Christ, to give your life to Jesus on one of our campuses or watching online. I can't make every application for you today, but the Holy Spirit can. And he can go heart to heart to heart to heart to heart in every chair, in every room, at Battle Creek, in the chapel, at Midtown, at Downtown, in DePage, in Cairo, and then people watching online all over the world. And he can touch every single life all at the same time and not be tired when he gets done with it. And that's exactly what he wants to do. Would you pray with me? Every environment, would you just bow your head and just close your eyes? And somehow in a room full of people, would you just get all alone? And if that's you today, you've never given your life to Jesus Christ. Today can be the day of salvation for you. not too late and please don't wait right where you're seated I want to lead you in a prayer helping you do just that to confess the Lord Jesus and to believe in your heart confess with your mouth and believe in your heart I'm going to ask you to pray it out loud as encouragement to you there will be those around you praying out loud as well You want to trust Jesus today, right where you are, doesn't matter what campus. Say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. But today I ask for forgiveness for all my sin. Jesus, come into my life to be my Lord. You call the shots in my life. Come in as my Savior, my forgiver, in the best way that I know how. I receive you, and I receive salvation. Thank you for saving me, Jesus. And now for the rest of you who already know Jesus, already have a testimony, would you just pray your own prayer? Right where you're seated, would you just pray your own prayer? Would you just surrender that pen back over to the Lord? Let him write the story. Lord, your kids are doing business with you. 
And that's a great thing. It's a God thing. It's a nurturing thing. And Father, I, I just want to speak on behalf of our faith family today. And faith. And for some, Lord, it's very difficult to hand that to you. And for some, they're very fearful about giving the pen back to you. And for some, they, they do it with great anguish or distrust of you, God. But I pray they give it. I pray they would give it. Because you're a good, good God. That's who you are. That's who you are. And even when we can't see your hand, you're good. And we can trust you. In the midst of trial, in the midst of pain, you don't leave us. And you want to walk with us. Father, may all your kids give it to you today and find great freedom and peace that surpasses all understanding. Would you meet them where they are? Would you bless them incredibly? And would you love them and grow them as your children? In Jesus' name we pray, and together we all say amen and amen. Would you thank the Lord today? Story of grace.